0: Section 106 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Natter. The World's Story, Volume 11. Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. Edited by Eva March-Tappan. Section 106 has the god Quetzalcoatl come to mexico year fifteen nineteen by william hickling prescott teutlile arrived as he had announced before noon he was attended by a numerous train and was met by cortes who conducted him with much ceremony to his tent where his principal officers were assembled the aztec chief returned their salutations with polite though formal courtesy mass was first said by father olmedo and the service was listened to by Teutlile and his attendants with decent reverence. A collation was afterwards served, at which the general entertained his guests with Spanish wines and confections. The interpreters were then introduced, and the conversation commenced between the parties. The first inquiries of Teutlile were respecting the country of the strangers and the purport of their visit. Cortes told him that he was the subject of a potent monarch beyond the seas, who ruled over an immense empire and had kings and princes for his vassals that acquainted with the greatness of the mexican emperor his master had desired to enter into a communication with him and had sent him as his envoy to wait on montezuma with a present in token of his good will and a message which he must deliver in person he concluded by inquiring of teutlila when he could be admitted to his sovereign's presence to this the aztec noble somewhat haughtily replied how is it that you have been here only two days and demand to see the emperor he then added with more courtesy that he was surprised to learn there was another monarch as powerful as montezuma but that if it were so he had no doubt his master would be happy to communicate with him he would send his couriers with the royal gift brought by the spanish commander and so soon as he had learned montezuma's will would communicate it teutlile then commanded his slaves to bring forward the present intended for the spanish general it consisted of ten loads of fine cottons several mantles of that curious feather-work whose rich and delicate dyes might vie with the most beautiful painting a wicker basket filled with ornaments of wrought gold all calculated to inspire the spaniards with high ideas of the wealth and mechanical ingenuity of the mexicans cortes received these presents with suitable acknowledgments and ordered his own attendants to lay before the chief the articles designed for montezuma these were an armchair richly carved and painted a crimson cup of cloth having a gold medal emblazoned with st george and the dragon and a quantity of collars bracelets and other ornaments of cut glass which in a country where glass was not to be had might claim to have the value of real gems and no doubt passed for such with the inexperienced mexican teutlile observed a soldier in the camp with a shining gilt helmet on his head which he said reminded him of one worn by the god quetzalcoatl in mexico and he showed a desire that montezuma should see it the coming of the spaniards was associated with some traditions of the same deity cortes expressed his willingness that the cask should be sent to the emperor intimating a hope that it would be returned filled with the gold dust of the country that he might be able to compare its quality with that in his own he further told the governor as we are informed by his chaplain that the spaniards were troubled with a disease of the heart for which gold was a specific remedy in short says las casas he contrived to make his want of gold very clear to the governor while these things were passing Cortes observed one of Teutlile's attendants busy with a pencil, apparently delineating some object. On looking at his work, he found that it was a sketch on canvas of the Spaniards, their costumes, arms, and in short different objects of interest, giving to each its appropriate form and color. This was the celebrated picture-writing of the Aztecs, and as Teutlile informed him, this man was employed in portraying the various objects for the eye of Montezuma, would thus gather a more vivid notion of their appearance than from any description by words cortes was pleased with the idea and as he knew how much the effect would be heightened by converting still life into action he ordered out the cavalry on the beach the wet sands of which afforded a firm footing for the horses the bold and rapid movements of the troops as they went through their military exercises the apparent ease with which they managed the fiery animals on which they were mounted the glancing of their weapons and the shrill cry of the trumpet all filled the spectators with astonishment but when they heard the thunders of the cannon which cortes ordered to be fired at the same time and witnessed the volumes of smoke and flame issuing from these terrible engines and the rushing sound of the balls as they dashed through the trees of the neighbouring forest shivering their branches into fragments they were filled with consternation, from which the Aztec chief himself was not wholly free. Nothing of all this was lost on the painters, who faithfully recorded, after their fashion, every particular, not omitting the ships, the water-houses, as they called them, of the strangers, which, with their dark hulls and snow-white sails reflected from the water, were swinging lazily at anchor on the calm bosom of the bay all was depicted with a fidelity that excited in their turn the admiration of the spaniards who doubtless unprepared for this exhibition of skill greatly overestimated the merits of the execution these various matters ended teutlile with his attendants withdrew from the spanish quarters with the same ceremony with which he had entered them leaving orders that his people should supply the troops with provisions and other articles requisite for their accommodation till further orders from the capital teutlile promptly sent messengers to montezuma to tell him of the coming of the strangers now from the appearance of comets and other signs the subjects of the king believed that quetzalcoatl himself was about to visit his people it was possible that among these fair-skinned visitors was the god of the sun it was also possible that they might be enemies montezuma decided to send an embassy to them bearing magnificent presents to impress them with his power and wealth but forbidding them to come any nearer to his capital city. At the expiration of seven or eight days at most, the Mexican embassy presented itself before the camp. It may seem an incredibly short space of time, considering the distance of the capital was near seventy leagues, but it may be remembered that tidings were carried there by means of posts, as already noticed, in the brief space of four and twenty hours and four or five days would suffice for the descent of the envoys to the coast, accustomed, as the Mexicans were, to long and rapid travelling. At all events, no writer states the period, occupied by the Indian emissaries on this occasion, as longer than that mentioned. The embassy, consisting of two Aztec nobles, was accompanied by the governor, Teutlile, and by a hundred slaves bearing the princely gifts of Montezuma one of the envoys had been selected on account of the great resemblance which as appeared from the painting representing the camp he bore to the spanish commander and it is a proof of the fidelity of the painting that the soldiers recognised the resemblance and always distinguished the chief by the name of the unquote, Mexican Cortes. on entering the general's pavilion the ambassadors saluted him and his officers with the usual signs of reverence to persons of great consideration touching the ground with their hands and then carrying them to their heads while the air was filled with clouds of incense which rose up from the censer borne by their attendants some delicately wrought mats of the country were then unrolled and on them the slaves displayed the various articles that they brought they were of the most miscellaneous kind shields helmets cuirasses embossed with plates and ornaments of pure gold collars and bracelets of the same metal sandals fans panaches and crests of variegated feathers intermingled with gold and silver thread and sprinkled with pearls and precious stones imitations of birds and animals in wrought and cast gold and silver of exquisite workmanship coverlets and robes of cotton fine as silk of rich and various dyes interwoven with feather work that rivalled the delicacy of painting there were more than thirty loads of cotton cloth in addition among the articles was the Spanish helmet sent to the capital and now returned filled to the brim with grains of gold but the things which excited the most admiration were two circular plates of gold and silver unquote, as large as carriage wheels one representing the sun was richly carved with plants and animals no doubt denoting the aztec century it was thirty palms in circumference and was valued at twenty thousand pesos de oro The silver wheel, of the same size, weighed fifty marks, about twenty-five pounds. The Spaniards could not conceal their rapture at the exhibition of treasures which so far surpassed all the dreams in which they had indulged. For, rich as were the materials, they were exceeded, according to the testimony of those who saw these articles afterwards in Seville, where they could coolly examine them, by the beauty and richness of the workmanship." when cortes and his officers had completed their survey the ambassadors courteously delivered the message of montezuma it gave their master great pleasure they said to hold this communication with so powerful a monarch as the king of spain for whom he felt the most profound respect he regretted much that he could not enjoy a personal interview with the spaniards but the distance of his capital was too great since the journey was beset with difficulties and with too many dangers from formidable enemies to make it possible. All that could be done, therefore, was for the strangers to return to their own land with the proofs thus afforded them of his friendly disposition. Cortes, though much chagrined at this decided refusal of Montezuma to admit his visit, concealed his mortification as he best might, and politely expressed his sense of the emperor's munificence. It made him only the more desirous, he said, to have a personal interview with him. He should feel it, indeed impossible, to present himself again before his own sovereign without having accomplished this great object of his voyage, and one who had sailed over two thousand leagues of ocean held lightly the perils of fatigues of so short a journey by land. He once more requested them to become the bearers of his message to their master, together with a slight additional token of his respect. This consisted of a few fine Holland shirts, a Florentine goblet, gilt and somewhat curiously enamelled, with some toys of little value, a sorry return for the solid magnificence of the royal present. The ambassadors may have thought as much, at least they showed no alacrity in charging themselves either with the present or the message, and on quitting the Castilian quarters repeated their assurance that the general's application would be unavailing. The splendid treasure, which now lay, dazzling the eyes of the Spaniards, raised in their bosom very different emotions, according to the difference of their characters. Some it stimulated with the ardent desire to strike at once into the interior and possess themselves of a country which teemed with such boundless stores of wealth. Others looked on it as the evidence of a power altogether too formidable to be encountered with their present insignificant force. They thought therefore it would be most prudent to return and report their proceedings to the governor of cuba where preparations could be made commensurate with so vast an undertaking there can be little doubt as to the impression made on the bold spirit of cortes on which difficulties ever acted as incentives rather than discouragements to enterprise but he prudently said nothing at least in public preferring that so important a movement should flow from the determination of his whole army rather than from his own individual opinion meanwhile the soldiers suffered greatly from the inconveniences of their position amidst burning sands and the pestilent effluvia of the neighbouring marshes while the venomous insects of these hot regions left them no repose day or night thirty of their number had already sickened and died a loss that could ill be afforded by the little band To add to their troubles, the coldness of the Mexican chiefs had extended to their followers, and the supplies for the camp were not only much diminished, but the prices set on them were exorbitant. The position was equally unfavourable for the shipping, which lay in an open roadstead, exposed to the fury of the first norte which should sweep the Mexican Gulf the general was induced by these circumstances to despatch two vessels under francisco de montejo with the experienced alaminos for his pilot to explore the coast in a northerly direction and see if a safer port and more commodious quarters for the army could not be found there after the lapse of ten days the mexican envoys returned they entered the spanish quarters with the same formality as on the former visit bearing with them an additional present of rich stuffs and metallic ornaments which though inferior in value to those before brought were estimated at three thousand ounces of gold besides these there were four precious stones of a considerable size resembling emeralds called by the natives chalchuites each of which as they assured the spaniards was worth more than a load of gold and was designed as a mark of particular respect for the spanish monarch Unfortunately, they were not worth as many loads of earth in Europe. Montezuma's answer was in substance the same as before. It contained a positive prohibition for the strangers to advance nearer to the capital, and expressed the confidence that, now that they had obtained what they had most desired, they would return to their own country without unnecessary delay. Cortes received this unpalatable response courteously, though somewhat coldly, and turning to his officers exclaimed, this is a rich and powerful prince indeed yet it shall go hard but we will one day pay him a visit in his capital end of section 106 this recording is in the public domain